This is the Multi-Geek Show, Octobercast number three. Uh, hopefully you've been enjoying these Octobercasts. We decided to do something fun and different for the month of October. And so this is the third installment. Um, we're going to bring you some uh, interesting stuff. Uh, remember, you can always email us at multigeekshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com forward slash multigeekshow. Or check us out on Facebook. Thanks so much, and we'll jump right into this one. So, as you know, we've been talking about things that are customarily uh, having to do with the month of October, and something that I thought about um, was all the different customs, games, and things that are um, synonymous with Halloween. And one of the most famous that I thought about, and I thought, you know, we haven't talked about that, is um, apple bobbing. Or bobbing for apples. Have you ever done that? I have done it one time. And how'd you feel about the sanitation of that? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too into it. Was it, because uh, I did it one time too with some kind of a church deal. Yeah. And the the tub that we were doing it in was, it just didn't look the cleanest to start with. And then all the people going before me and there were bites in all the apples and... Ugh. I don't care about that kind of stuff, but at the time, I had braces, and I was just like, I don't want my braces to break and things like that, so I was just thinking that you would care about that, like all the spit and the bites yeah. and all that stuff, whereas I know it doesn't really bother me too much. I wouldn't even think about it much. Do you think people still do it because they actually think it's fun or because it's just a tradition? I think because it's just a tradition. Yeah. I don't even... like. Obviously, if you know the, the popular game, it's you fill a tub, a bucket, you know, probably nowadays one of those big plastic toy bins, whatever. You can fill whatever you want. You put water in it, and then you put apples in it. Um, apples are less dense than water, so they float. <laughs> so they're all at the top. Um, you try to catch one in your teeth, and you can't use your hands. So sometimes they're tied behind the back and stuff like that. This is one thing I thought was funny. In Scotland, it's called... Duking. <laughs> D-O-O-K-I-N-G. Do you have to say it like that? Yeah. Oh. Or it's actually ducking, but they go, it's duking. Duking. Uh, in Ireland, uh, mainly um, in uh, Kerry, it's known as Snapapple. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there's a, like in Newfoundland, uh, Snapapple night is actually a synonym for Halloween. So you don't have to say, like, oh, it's Halloween. You can be like, it's Snapapple's night. But, um, so I was wondering, I was like, well, where in the world, w how did this happen? Why did this, why does this <laughs> filthy germ spreading game exist? <laughs> no, really, though, with all this wine flu going around right now, Ugh. hallelujah. It's like, hey, bring all your kids and have them spit in here. <laughs> Just do it, and then I'm going to dip my kid's head in your your kid's spit. I don't know. Why are all our kids sick? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, But apparently it, it originates from Celtic times when Halloween was called Samhain. Mm. Am I saying that right? Samhain? I think it's Samhain. Samhain, which is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. But apparently the apples were associated with love and fertility, so... um. They would do it at feasts and things like that, and, you know, they would, it would just be an important part of 
Celtic pagan religious festivals because families would gather together and it was about fertility and, you know, advancing your family line. It was just kind of a, you know, thing like that. People are weird. Yeah, we all are, and yeah. it is, and then how it gets carried <laughs> on. And then what I think's most interesting is that something comes up like that. We mimic it. Someone doesn't like it because it could possibly be related with something bad somewhere, somehow, sometime. Then they call it evil, you know, with jack-o'-lanterns or bobby mm-hmm. crapples. Like, I won't do that. Now, okay, if you don't want your kids sticking your head in a bunch of other kids' spit to represent them being fertile, I totally understand that. <laughs> But just to blanketly say, it's evil because it has to do with the month of October. It's like, no. Know why it's evil. Know why you don't want your kid doing it. Know why it's unsanitary. Yeah. But people are weird. But um, I read that the the current game is actually based on a New Year tradition. So this one isn't even so technically, even though it's so related with Halloween, it's not now in our culture most uh, famous for being part of Halloween, it just is related with that. Because the current game, it says, is based on a New Year tradition where if you bite the apple first in the group, you're, you'd be the first one to marry. Mm. And that uh, it's, it's, it's like a similar tradition of throwing the rice at the wedding, you know, mm. and things like that. But originally, apples were thrown. Um, but I don't think this one's as popular anymore. People do regard it as unsanitary, I think, across the board, especially with sickness, swine flu, and all that stuff. But um, there is a variation of the game where apples are strung on a line, mm-hmm. and you can try to, which I thought that was more interesting. Yeah. Because then you can kind of be like, all right, like maybe tie the hands behind the back, combine it with a limbo. That seems Ooh. like it'd be easier. Yeah, till I swing the apple. <laughs> I didn't tell you I put it on a tetherball tether, and I smack <laughs> it at kids' heads. No, I'm kidding. But um, in any event, I just thought bobbing for apples is a funny thing to be related with October and Halloween. It's something I never even actually think of. Yeah. I haven't seen it done in years. Yeah, and I also heard someone was saying that it used to. And it, again, this is one of those folk tales that people make up just to make things evil when they're not. It was yeah. like, I heard, yeah, it's that it's it's supposed to represent heads. And that you bite into heads, <laughs> like floating heads in blood, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, uh, so anyway, but that's bobbing for apples. So hooray, hooray! Hello, you might remember me. My name is Jeremiah, but you would know me by the name that I was given oh so many years ago in Whitechapel, London. That name is Jack. Jack the Ripper. Now, before you ask yourself why, why should I listen to this maniac? There's another side to the story. It's said that I killed innocent prostitutes. But what you don't know is that they were wolfkin, lycanthropes, or as you might call them, werewolves. That's right, contrary to what you've read and have been taught your whole life, I actually am one who slays the dark, fights that which is not natural. But in doing so, my reputation has spread far and wide. And now, 
I hunt for the wolf that sired all of those so long ago in London. You might know this beast as the Hound of the Baskervilles. I'll return you to the multi-geeks, but when you return, I'm going to bring you along with me as I hunt the Phantom Dog of Dartmoor. So just kind of talking about other little, well, not little, other famous and wildly popular traditions in the month of October, um, I guess we should mention trick-or-treating. What do you know about trick-or-treating? You get free candy. Yes, you do. You go and beg at people's houses and they give you free candy. Yeah, and you ask them for... Have you ever gotten a trick? No. Neither have I. Yeah. But honestly, those kids are asking for it. if many people think of it in that way. You say trick or treat, but I don't know if people really think of it as a trick or a treat. I think they just... You know, that's the greeting at the door and then they give you candy. I completely agree with that. Yeah. That you're correct. I completely disagree with that, that it should be that way. I think people should just walk up and go, treat! Oh. Well, not, not well, and here's why I say that, because that's not as fun. Well, I want to be allowed to give them what they ask for, and if it's little kids who, but they're asking for a trick or a treat, so you could give them a trick. That's what I'm saying, but I think that I would probably be frowned upon in the neighborhood <laughs> if I'm the guy who's like, "Hey, you see what I did there? <laughs> I gave them all well, thumbs. Listen, they asked for it, so." Exactly, but I think that the angry parents who were trying to burn down my home wouldn't be thinking about that. But I was just thinking, how funny would it be to give kids tums? You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt them. They just taste like chalk or uh, laxative chocolate. So. Oh, see now that's even more dastardly. But it's a trick, it's and a they trick. would recover. And in the event that one of them's allergic to laxative, I'm up on murder <laughs> one. But who cares? No, I'm oh, kidding. God. I'm kidding. But no, I was just thinking about trick-or-treat, and I was like, you know, they really aren't going to be happy if we give the trick, which yeah. I think they should, but I agree with that. But it's kind of like one of those colloquialisms, like when you say, you know, hey, how's your day been? Oh, it's been great. It's like, you're not really thinking, yeah, my day's been great. You just, that's the answer. It's the trained question and response. And I'm telling you, you ask me for a trick long enough, and Sonny Joe, you're going to get a trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think some people do well with those little uh, Halloween animatronics, the pop-up stuff that comes up in the yard, or like, yeah. you know, where they have people h- hide up in the trees. That's a trick. You so earn your trick. trick and a treat? Yes. Maybe we should move towards that. Maybe that should be our Halloween 10 campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, I was just because I was going to say 09, but then I was like, it's already almost over. I wouldn't right. have done a plan. Isn't that interesting that we're going to have to start saying 10 now? I think it'll be confusing for a while. Huh. Do you say 010? No. There's an O? right in front of it yeah but that's part of the 20 you say 2010 yeah i guess 2010 yeah we're in the future oh when you think about 2010 though just thinking like if you saw an expiration date that said 2010 would you think oh this will last forever you know this will last for a long time <laughs> yeah because 2010 it seems so far away it's like yeah but it's just next year it's a couple months that is kind of spooky Um, There's an article here on Boing Boing about um, Halloween being outlawed in Bobtown, Pennsylvania to keep kids safe. 
Well, wh- no. Think about the children, Tim. Safe from what, though? Is there something going on, like abductions? Mm, no, I think it is just um, safe from... It, it's it's taking the angle of safe from, like, um, candy that's been messed with. Oh. But on here, it's saying that um, somebody did a study, and there has actually never been... Uh, any cases of that happening you know you're always warned about i was just gonna say razor like, blades or you yeah, know, yeah, whatever. yeah 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 but it's saying there's never been a, a reported like death or anything from anything like that i've heard that that it's kind of a, an urban myth yeah that it's actually never happened but that it's said to have happened wow so now so even in this article it still hasn't happened they're just so worried that it's going to happen, that they're going to outlaw it. Because that's really the equivalent of saying, someone might be trampled to death at a concert, so we're not going to have a concert. Yeah. And there are no... Now, of course, there are there are recorded events where entire groups of people have been trampled to death at concerts. Mm-hmm. Trampled. They have been stepped on until they're dead by other human beings, yet we have concerts conti- continually. Now... I'm just pointing that out that it's interesting to me that they're they're taking something that has not documented ever happened. It has not ever been documented as happening and they're so upset that they're going to outlaw that versus some of the other things where people could and do get hurt or die. Right. You know, like all those Chris, Christmas chainsaw accidents. No, I'm <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um well, people are weird. Yeah, we'll go back to that. That's a theme for this show. <laughs> yeah, weird people. Um, how about this? The, uh, I was just reading this. Trick-or-treating, I guess, is, is actually the asker. The trick is an idle threat to perform mischief on the homeowners or their property. they're saying they'll get a trick if they don't give you a treat. Yes, that's what I'm looking at here, and it's like saying if no treat is given, it's like... Well, that makes sense, because... You want a trick or you want to give me a treat? The houses that you know, don't give out candy and they have all their lights off and everything. They get, you know, egged or toilet papered or something like that. That's the trick. Right. The real trick is is that I'm sitting in my house with a paintball gun and I'm going to (laughs) turn off the lights. And when you come to egg it, you're going to get a mouthful of fish oil. But, uh, so now again, I just want to point out the, um, kind of the parallels to Christmas and Halloween because I understand why we celebrate Christmas, you know, especially if you're a part of a Judeo-Christian religion, it is in celebration of the birth of Christ. However, there are so many pagan traditions, or even if they're not pagan, they're just traditions that were started up for fun that we are okay with, but that we're not okay with when similar things are for Halloween. And I'm just saying we should probably just like I said, research them across the board and just become more educated. Did you know that people? Because it's the okay. We're talking about trick or treating. It's a practice of dressing up in a costume. You, like you said, you beg door to door for treats. But in the Middle Ages, it wasn't just on Halloween. They would do it on Christmas mm-hmm. for what they would call it wassailing. But you know the the ah, songs. Yeah. Bring me some figgy pudding. Oh, bring, you're pretty much saying. We're going to sing Trick or Treat. You know what I mean? They're just singing for their supper versus saying, hey, I dressed up. Can you give me some candy? Uh I love Jerry Seinfeld's bit on Halloween. Mm -hmm. He's like, 
when I'm not, when I'm when I'm young, it's just get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy. And then he's talking about when someone's describing to him the concept of Halloween, how it blows his mind. He goes, "What? What are you telling me? Who's giving away candy? Everybody we know is just <laughs> giving away candy. Well, what do I have to do? I can wear that." <laughs> and then he talks about how he would dress up. He's like, "I always had the cheap costumes, the hobo, the ghost with the white sheet." <laughs> so I just thought that's funny that. If you think about the principal, kids just like candy, 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 candy. Mm-hmm. I was just as excited about the dressing up, maybe more. The candy was the afterthought. I was like, I get to be <laughs> Batman. Um, did you have a favorite costume when you were younger? Something that you were like, I you couldn't wait to put on, like that thing from the store that you begged for. Um, I don't know if I don't remember it as it happened or as it was happening. But looking back at it, when I look at pictures, my favorite costume is when, I don't know, I might have been like four or five, and it was this like little devil uh, costume. Uh-huh. It was all red, and it had a hood with little horns on it, and it had a cape that was red, and inside the cape, it had little um, cartoon-like devils and fire in it, and it had, you know, it had a tail, and it had a pitchfork. I just think that's a cool costume. Yeah. Especially for my age. How old were you? Oh, I was like four or five. It'd be awesome if you said, I was 19. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it myself. No, nah, <laughs> but as I got older, my, I didn't I didn't really have great costumes. I don't know. I never really had great costumes, but I always had plans for the great costumes uh-huh. that didn't really ever come together. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never sad. I mean, my parents would hook me up with cool costumes, but like I would get so into it that I'd get the flyer from at the time. It was Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. And Toys R Us would go all out. And, of course, those flyers are designed for me to read them and beg my parents for stuff. So I would go so far as to be like, all right, I want this Batman costume. And you know how there's, like, the different tiers of Batman costumes? There's the one that's just, it's like it's practically an apron. Uh-huh. You just tie it in the back, and yeah. it's kind of got those painted on abs. Then there's, like, the foam one. Mm-hmm. And it's got, like, an actual grappling hook that shoots people. And, <laughs> you know, it's got, like, a... A skeleton detector in the eyes, and it's like the real bat suit. Well, it's like two hundred bucks. Well, I wanted that one. I even was like, okay, now I have to get a wig because Bruce Wayne's hair is black. And in my head, I thought it was rational to ask my parents for this twenty dollar wig to put under my Batman costume, so that if my hood came off, people would think I was Bruce Wayne. So my cowl came off. None of that ever happened. Yeah, I, uh, I ended up. I think mostly being a cowboy because I had a flannel shirt and I loved having the guns and stuff. When I I was younger, I always, I hated cowboys and Indians. Yeah. It was so boring and just stupid and dull to me. I would put stuff in my cowboys and Indian games like vampires. No, I I wouldn't even, I I just didn't play any of those games. There was one day when, um, in elementary school, I don't remember what it was for, but it was a day where all the kids were supposed to come in and dress up as either a cowboy or an Indian, and I, I was you like, came in as a Chinese railroad worker. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I kept asking my teacher, like, "Do I have to do this? I, I really don't like cowboys and Indians. Do I have to?" I think I was annoying her because <laughs> I think she finally kind of snapped at me and like, "No, you don't have to come in." I really didn't want to do that. So you didn't? No. Wow. <laughs> you ever do you ever do the uh i didn't do a lot of stuff kids were excited about just because i was not like the mud walk i didn't go on the mud walk no 
I'm that never lived later. up to the hype for me. I was like, yeah, I was expecting this. It's it's cool. I mean, you just walk in mud for an hour. That's it's not really cool me, deep mud. You just put on clothes yeah. on purpose to ruin them, and your shoes are gonna get lost probably. <laughs> so you wear junky shoes; they can get suck, you know, stuck in a the stuck in the sucky muck. <laughs> it's like, but it was it was all right. There's billions of mosquitoes. What's the point of it? To experience nature in a way that's like. Um, I know we, when we did it, it was to experience nature and learn about the Everglades. It was mm-hmm. like, this is how low we are, you know, as far as below sea level, and this is how Florida is in certain places. And, and it was you also have to walk through it to learn that. Well, it's just hands on. You know, you can learn it and see things in action. You can see and experience it versus just hearing about it. You know, I see. Plus, most kids honestly are excited about going and walking through mud instead of going to school that day. I stayed home. Well, <laughs> I think the first time through, I stayed home too. I did it. We did it in like fourth grade and fifth grade. And in fourth grade, uh-uh, I just wasn't. My mom said, you can stay home or you can go on the mud walk. And at that time, I was like, Nintendo. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'd rather play. play yeah, man, you can go walk through. You traipse through the forest all you want. I'm yeah. playing Castlevania 2, which is <laughs> such a bad game. I'm so sad about that. Yeah. But, um, so. It turns out that uh, trick or treating now is it, it it pretty much we're just mimicking the medieval practice of souling is what it's called like s o u l i n g and that's is more or less when poor folks would go door to door on Hallow Mass as they called it which is actually November first and uh, they would receive food in return for prayers for the dead on All Souls Day which is November second. But, um, you know, there were similar practices for the souls of the dead in Italy. You know, there were similar ones found in Ireland, Britain. (gasps) Excuse me. But Shakespeare mentions it in uh, one of his comedies, uh, The Two Gentlemen of Verona. Anyway, the costume of wearing, or the custom of wearing costumes... Yeah, say that three times fast. The custom of wearing costumes. The custom of wearing costumes. The custom of wearing costumes. Good job. Well, yeah, no one ever does that when I tell them to. <laughs> I'm kidding. When I say, say that three times fast. And when people say that, I try to do it. And I See, think it I, surprises them. Yeah, because I don't know if that's what you mean when you say that. No, it's it's, it's a like, phrase. You know, yeah. Yeah, I know. I just actually asking someone to do but it. But it's kind of like a jab at people because it's like, ah, you didn't really mean it. And they're like... What a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they are. And I'm not saying be literal about everything. I just think I sometimes people take phrases that are common yeah. and just say them just to say them. Right. All right. <laughs> I'm sucking all the fun out of the uh, oh, man. out of the, the down home and folksy things of the uh, English language. Hello. Welcome back. If you're familiar with any of the fairy tales about me, you'll know that I was famous for removing multiple organs from my victims. It was because I was experimenting. I was trying to figure out the best and cleanest and most efficient way to dispatch the wolfkin. But my practice has made me perfect, and I'm ready. I'm ready to haunt the mother that has sired all that I had to deal with in Whitechapel so many years ago. 
Before I ascend to the hunt, I must be entirely certain that I'm prepared. For full preparation, I turn to the letters of an esteemed colleague of mine, a Dr. Watson. He and his colleague have had more than ample experience with the beast, though, for the safety of all involved, their true story was never written. But I have here a letter from Watson, and he says, Jeremiah, my previous letters and telegrams have been merely to throw others off the trail. But before you ascend into the godforsaken corner of the world known as the Moors and the Baskervilles, remember that it will sink into one's soul, the vastness of the thing, the grim charm. Jeremiah, don't be tempted to become one of them. Know what you're fighting, and know that the evil has a silver tongue and is more beautiful than you can ever imagine. Best of luck in your hunt. Signed, Dr. John H. Watson. I have many more letters to go over from multiple colleagues around the world, all who champion me and my cause. But for now, I return you to the multi-geeks. <laughs> Um, I remember one costume I had was Roger Rabbit. What? Yeah, and it was it was that like plastic covering, like that plastic shirt with a picture of Roger Rabbit on it. Oh no! And it was one of those <laughs> cheap plastic masks, you know, that cuts your lip and is like yeah. the strings breaking. Right, and everyone thought I was Bugs Bunny, <laughs> even though it said Roger Rabbit right on it. Mm-hmm. I hate oh it. man, you had to be so upset by the end of the night. I'm Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I kept having to tell everyone. I don't know if they knew even knew who that was, but that's okay. If you do it's remember, probably just when the movie came out. Oh yeah, it just—it's funny how some. I was obsessed with Roger Rabbit. Oh, were you? When Are you still? Out. No, no, no. Just when it came out, I yeah. was like crazy for it. It was great. It was a—it was an interesting. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it you know, really is a really good animated movie. characters in you know live action. Yeah, before CG, that was like. <sighs> Yeah, that was really good. Um, what was I going to say, though? I was going to say, uh, you are talking about, oh, I was going to say, when you know, wear a Flash shirt, like the DC character, the person who can run very fast. Right, yeah. So many people will go, oh, Flash Gordon. Oh. They don't know that there's even two Flashes, and in their head, yeah. they might think that the Flash, who runs fast's name, is Flash Gordon. Ugh. I don't know. I'm just saying, that's why it's like, oh, Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Oh, know. who are you? So, but, um, I was just going to say that the custom of wearing costumes, the thing I was saying three times fast, and masks at Halloween, it goes back to Celtic traditions, and you're trying to copy evil spirits or placate them. So, like, in Scotland, for instance, the dead were impersonated by young men who were masked or veiled or blackened their faces and things like that, dressed, um, dressed that way. But... The earliest known reference to the ritual actually, like, you know, the begging of going on here in North America was, like, in the early 1900s. It was, like, 1911, 1910 or 1911. And there was a newspaper um, in Ontario, so it wasn't even the United States, but it was saying that it was normal for some of the smaller children to go street guising, which was pretty much wassailing. Uh And they would go down to different... 
you know, shops and neighbors and stuff to be rewarded with nuts and candies for rhymes and songs. Mm-hmm. So it kind of started out more like wassailing, mm-hmm. and then it, it appears as though it started to evolve, you know, where um, the ritual begging on Halloween um, became more of the, you know, tradition that we know today with terms like trick-or-treat, where apparently ter- that, that was around 1927 when that was first coined. So that's not so old either. Yeah, And we talk about how... Yeah, maybe it was based on something decades, centuries ago that was this festival of this, that, and the other thing. But that's not necessarily where it is now or what it is. Right. And it's this new thing. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that um, a lot of the things that we associate it with, it was never... That's not where it originated, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Maybe the date of the festival, maybe some of the practices. But when it started up here, it was less than a hundred years ago in most cases and it was from people who were American people or North American people or European people who weren't Celtic they weren't Druids they weren't sacrificing humans they were just they started doing something like going around shop to shop singing on Halloween for nuts and candies and then it started becoming uh, more synonymous and, and, and again that's where it comes to trick or treat here um this is an article um, from uh, Alberta, Canada, and it says, Halloween provided an opportunity for real strenuous fun. No real damage was done except to the temper of some who had to hunt for wagon wheels, gates, wagons, and barrels, much of which decorated the front street. The youthful tormentors were at back door and front demanding edible plunder by the word trick-or-treat to which the inmates gladly responded and sent the robbers away rejoicing. <laughs> you know, and so the heart of that, the where it arose from, it rose in fun. It wasn't like, let's copy the druids. <laughs> we'll hollow out a human head. <laughs> and we will ask, do you want death or candy? You know? It's, yeah. So anyway, you know, I don't know. I just, again, in my efforts to be more educated on what a lot of people love and also rue, they hate it, uh-huh. and so uh, despise what, what it is, it's like, I think in most camps, either side really doesn't know where it originated, but to a degree, that doesn't even matter as much, because it matters why you do it, why you celebrate it, what's fun to you about it, and as long as you keep away from the things you don't agree with, you can still have a good time. Yep. You know, so I just thought that was interesting and apropos because you received a film in the mail. Did and I? that film, you did. And Jason, what was that DVD called? I don't know. <laughs> it's called Trick or Treat. I didn't get it in the mail. You did it? I got it at Movie Stop. Well, get out of Dodge. I thought you ordered it online. I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that makes more sense to me why you said I did. I guess in my head you order everything online. I just inserted you in your chair, clicking, getting it in the mail. I just that I edited that memory into my own brain. Well, that works. All right, ready? We're going to start that over. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right, listeners. <laughs> and Jason, segue, segue. <laughs> Bought a movie at Movie Stop, 
And what was that movie called, Jason? Trick or Treat! Yes. And it's not or. It's trick, apostrophe R, treat. Because that's how most people say it, trick or treat. Trick or treat. They don't say trick or treat. Yeah. <laughs> trick or treat. <laughs> um, why'd you buy that movie? Because I heard it was amazing. And? And it looked amazing. And it is amazing. <laughs> well? In my opinion. I would love to talk about this right now. Okay. Firstly, I'm going to say that Jason and I have a friendly disagreement about the cover of this movie. He said it looks amazing. I think it looks cool, but from what I saw, it reminded me of a straight-to-DVD movie. Now, it was a straight-to-DVD movie, but what I mean is it reminds me of one of the... Yes, a knockoff, a low-budget, low-quality DVD. And so when I said that, you were kind of appalled. You were like, no, it doesn't. And I didn't mean ill of the movie. I just said, oh, it's good. That's funny because the cover looks like it wouldn't be. Yeah. But um, it's got the it's there's a character from the the DVD on the cover and then just kind of the things that are photoshopped around it, kind of a montage almost. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, I think. It's the montage nature of it and until until I knew the context of the character on the box in the actual film, it right. looked like it could be a hokey uh, mascot for a horror film mm-hmm. kind of thing like that so um and then when you showed me because that it has a, a a sleeve yeah as you've seen you know some some dvds have those sleeves and then you pull it off and that's where you open the actual case the there's a, a huge face on the inside of this creature and i thought that looked even more straight to dvd <laughs> not in a bad way it's just that the way that it's well no it just seemed, like I said, it's not like it's, uh, there's a negative connotation to it, but I don't mean it in a way that I would disqualify how good the movie could be, judging a book by its cover, so to speak. Right. But that face sitting there, the way that it was, was just like, it reminded me of that, um, have you ever seen those cheesy horror movies, like Jack Frost? Yeah. That's what it reminded me of, like, that neighborhood of movies. Uh-huh. Where it's like you, you turn the box and it's got that hologram kind of effect, and it's right. like the snowman's face turns into evil. That's what it reminded me of, like, one of those. Uh-huh. You know, did you expect this movie to be as good as it was? Yes. You did. Mm-hmm. Now, how much about it did you know? You said you heard it, it was good and everything like that. Did you read full reviews or just hear word of mouth from, like, quick internet posts or people yeah it's mainly i just heard um everybody gushing about it in like blog posts and things for years but uh i i i didn't read up on any of the plots or anything right yeah and so how long has this movie been out if people have been gushing about it it was made in uh 2006 i think and um warner brothers they had a release date for October, but then they pushed it back, and then they kept pushing it back to another date, and then it was October of the next year, and uh, finally they decided they're not going to release it, and then now they've just decided that they will release it, but just on DVD, and so that's why it hasn't had a theatrical release. Right. But it's been shown in like film festivals and things. That's how people have seen it. Right. And that's, I, I was uh, made to understand that 
um, like you said, it was like supposed to be 2007 it was yeah. released, and then they were like, "Well, no, 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 let's go ahead and push like kind of back and forth, like what you're saying." But um, this is actually a movie that was written and directed by someone who works with Brian Singer a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Singer is the director of the first two X Men films and Superman Returns, and right. this is one of the what what did, his name is Michael Doherty, and he. Yeah made a short film but um called Seasons Greetings mm-hmm. which was actually animated yeah and uh that was kind of neat yeah it was neat in itself it was just kind of like all right it almost reminded me of a uh it's like a little treat right it was like a little uh almost Charlie Brown style animation yeah, or kinda. almost that strange um <clears throat> excuse me uh that almost that shifting animation of like Beavis and Butthead Mm-hmm. But like earlier stages, almost yeah. like uh, I don't know if you ever saw MTV's Liquid Television. Yeah, yeah. That kind of it looked like it could be part of that. Right. Yeah. Where it's not bad, but it's it just, just a different style. Yeah. There were less frames. Yeah. Of animation. Yeah. So, but it was it was neat. So this movie is by um, the season's greetings is what it's called, and it's about uh, trick or treater. Um, which that's what I just called the character. I just made that up. I have no idea what the character's name is. His but name is Sam. Sam. Is it Sam Hain? Why? Well, I'm sure that's where they got the name from, Sam. But no, that's, that's not his last name. Or... It's a uh, the character who we're talking about who is a actual um, is an actual what appears to be a child, but uh, the child has a like a a large roundish head with a mask on that looks like a canvas bag with one eye cut out in a triangle shape of a uh, jack o' lantern eye, the classic, and then one eye has a button over it. So it's like this canvas, almost like a, an old-time ragdoll look to it. And then he has, like, an orange jumpsuit, and he's walking around with a big sack. And I won't spoil it for you, but um, you see something occur where there is a turnaround. There's a plot twist where you're like, oh, and it's just a fun little, like, I see what you did there mm-hmm. about trick-or-treating. Um, but... What I loved about the film, so this was, do you know a little more about the story? So did someone see this and say, hey, we should make this into a movie? Um, I think I, I heard him talk about it on in an interview, but I, I don't remember. Well, it's, um, however they did it, I love the fact that they explored so many different things in this. Because mm-hmm. I guess if you really break it down, um, there are four scary stories. Like, if you really look at it. Like, I didn't really think of it that way until it was over. Yeah, well, no, there are four stories. And it's like, okay, there are four different separate stories. And they're Halloween-related. But one thing that ties the stories together in the movie is the is that Sam is there mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. And he's, like I said, he's got that... It's like a burlap pumpkin mask, really. And... How, what did you think about him being in all of them? Because, like, it, here's what I mean by that. It was almost like he was there as they broke all the Halloween traditions. Yeah. Anytime someone broke a Halloween tradition, and they don't come right out and say that. But if you're watching it and you trace back, it's like, oh, that's what got these people in pickles, <laughs> more or less. was like they did different things to break Halloween traditions, and it was almost like he was kind of like the adjudicator of that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it freed him to be mischievous right you know what i mean yeah um 
So of the four stories, which was your favorite? Whew, I, I haven't even thought about that. Um, dead air. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's true, too, because, well, hold on. Spoiler alert, I guess, maybe? Like, I don't know. I'd say if people see yeah. this, I want them... Maybe we shouldn't talk about that, because the reason why this was as good as it was for me is because I had zero anticipation of anything. It was So a, what what did you say about it? It wasn't as good? No, no, it was. Oh, why? Because I had ze- so maybe we shouldn't talk about the stories that it I mean maybe I've even revealed more than than I should have. Well, we'll just say spoiler alert. Okay. We'll, we'll raise the alert. Ooga, ooga. Um I, I I think the most surprising one was the the werewolf one. I agree. Because I wasn't expecting that. Me either. And though, and and okay, well, we can say that because you you won't know. Even if we just leave it at that, that's a mild spoiler. Mm-hmm. But the way that they, I'll I'll say this about this movie: every time that they went to do something cliche, they purposely hung a lantern on it mm-hmm. and did the opposite. Like they gave you a wink, like "Ha ha, we got you" because you thought we were going to do that. And then they would change it, and then you'd go, oh, they changed it. And oh. then they would do it again and say, okay, so it's probably going to be this. Ha ha, we got you. <laughs> and it's like, what? So now you've been duped twice in a good way, and your guard is completely down, and then they throw you for a loop in uh-huh. every one of those stories. For me, anyway. Right. No, I agree. Um, so I would say that that was my favorite thing, is that they would just two times at least – they would hang a lantern on it. Well, in this case, hang a jack-o'-lantern on it. Hey. <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> um, I really would say, though, overall, this is a really neat movie if if you're into just hidden origins or secret origins of things that are just kind of like what-ifs. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what if this is true? And what if this is true? And it's like this own little universe they created of, you know, important... Halloweeny kind of traditions. Mm. I thought it was interesting. Like they covered why you shouldn't blow out a jack o' lantern before midnight, why you should give candy to trick or treaters, mm. and they kind of go on their own little tangent as to each why you know why each one is important. But it was it was pretty cool. Yes. One of the ones that was that was interesting. They they did uh, always check your candy. We were just talking about that. Yeah, yeah. And they did always check your candy, which was kind of good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know. I just I thought that was well, what was the. I guess. I think that maybe there were more than just four Halloween traditions. In other words, it wasn't a tradition per story, right? It was just that they peppered those throughout the yeah. different um, stories, and none of the stories were like. Oh, we've heard this before. Oh, this is a retelling. Mm-hmm. Each one was kind of a new spin on something. Yeah. So. Did you like um, the weapons that Sam had? <laughs> I did. The razor blade and the candy bar? Yes. And the uh, the lollipop that he bit, and it was sharp? Yeah. Which, Halloween. And then he had, like, he, you know, the candy was on the stairs. Oh, yeah. He used candy, pretty much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the uh, the razor blade and the candy bar was best. He used it like a box cutter. 
Not yeah. that it's bad, but it's funny because it was like it's a candy bar, and he like slowly unwraps it. And there's a razor blade <laughs> underneath uh-huh. it, and uh, it wasn't also too. It wasn't like some cheesy, trashy gore fest. Yeah, it wasn't like this thing where you're like, okay, here comes the stupid effects, or like here comes the the fake looking blood. It was like it wasn't really even gory. It was more spooky. Yeah, for the most part, there's a little bit of blood, but not more than a. I mean, blood wise, I wouldn't say it was more than like a PG thirteen. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't like a gore fest. It was just like, there was some blood, but it wasn't really the blood or the gore. It was what was implied and the other spooky stuff that was going on. I think they were all uh, practical effects, too. I don't think they used any CG. It looked like it. Like, just good old-fashioned practical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed it because it also had a lot of tie-ins all of the stories were related right and they would jump back and forth to show you which ones took place where and then slowly you'd see how each one was interconnected right. not fully but a car that you saw earlier would then go back and it would be people from another story sitting in that car yeah yeah and i like that a lot i like how you see um the two characters in the opening sequence throughout the film at different parts like walking by they're in the background or something yeah yeah, that was neat. Yeah. But, like you said, it's it's really well-reviewed constantly. It's a cool movie. It's probably good to... If, you've, if you're looking for something, you're like, look, I don't even do horror movies. That's not my thing. This was an interesting twist on the genre because it's not just a horror movie. It's kind of a, a movie that just does something new and takes you to a whole new locale, a whole new set of myths and legends. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. This is like the kind of thing I want to see original material instead of all these remakes that are coming out. Now, here's something that you may know. You may not know. Okay. October 8th of this year. Yes. Michael Doherty announced that he has planned a sequel. Yeah, I read that. So, the reason why I'm excited about that, because we're like, oh, we want new, we want original. And even t- if you go back to the podcast we did, we talk about Walt Disney and how he says, how do you top pigs with pigs? In other words, mm-hmm. do something totally different. Well, based on this director and what he did for this movie, I think he could come up with a whole new set of fun stuff. Yeah, I heard in an interview he was saying that... um when he first, you know, thought of it and was, like, making the movie, he wanted it to kind of be like the Saw series, like there was one out every October. And he was also saying that one common character would be the Sam character. He'd probably be in all of them. Which makes sense. Yeah, and then, um, but because of how it is, he was saying that it could be in different time periods. Oh, yes. It doesn't all have to be modern. It could be, you can go anywhere and do anything with it. That's actually piqued my interest greatly. Yeah. Now. Because obviously... So, yeah, I think he has more than just a sequel plan. Just one Oh, he has plans for the universe. Sure. That's neat. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, the one we want to see most is the future. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, if he takes it into space. (laughs) Oh, that's what I was thinking. Leprechaun in space. Oh, Oh, man. No, I mean, you could do a... uh, Just uh, thinking about that. The leprechaun 
Pinhead and Jason have all gone into space. Yeah, I think together, right? Oh, no, that was Spaceship Earth. That was when they all took a horror vacation. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah. Just when you mentioned that, it just flashed in my head that all three of them have been in the space. Anyone else? No, but, well, um, yeah, the uh, creator of Cirque du Soleil, he was just up there. <laughs> yeah? No, he really was. Okay, great. Yeah, he's one of the great horror icons, isn't he? <laughs> no, sure. I'm kidding. You know who hasn't been in space? Freddy. Yeah. Yep. What's up with that? Leatherface. We need to get him in space. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, here. Here's your story. Oh, no. Right? You take the entire film, and it's a shot-for-shot recreation of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh-huh. But all of the main characters are replaced with horror icons. <laughs> so you just do Leatherface, you do Freddy, you do all of them, and you just act it out. And <laughs> I would love to see that. Michael Myers' face uh-huh. is on Hal. Okay. The computer eye is just Michael Myers' <laughs> face. So Hal is Michael Myers' face. That's wonderful. And uh, you can just go through the whole thing. <laughs> Dave, what's wrong, Dave? <laughs> I don't know. It's Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Hollywood, you want to do a, a reboot? Come on. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Hello again, friends. This will be my final correspondence with you before I ascend to my hunt. This isn't merely goodbye. This acts as a charge. A charge to you. You're the only ones who are hearing this message. And if I should fail, if the beast should not fall, it is your responsibility. I am very heavily equipped with irons and gold and coppers and steels and, of course, silver. This is no typical monster, And don't worry. I am fully aware that firearms do not work on those types of creatures, especially ones so deadly ancient, so warped, and unnatural, and so twisted. You might be asking yourself why I have chosen to share all of this with you. Well, it's very simple, my friends. If these be my last words, remember... It doesn't stop with the Beast of the Baskervilles. There are many, many more things that creep and skulk in the shadows. But don't be afraid of shadows. Become shadows. Just because something's evil doesn't mean it can see in the dark. Um, how about this? I came up with this crazy idea. I thought this would be interesting. And anybody out there listening, um, I decided that, I don't know, sometimes I think I have good ideas and I want to write them into stories and then I don't want to say them on the air because I don't want it to be out there already because then someone else will just take it and use it. Is that a crazy thought to have? No. Okay. Well, okay. Well, then I'll skip it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Sorry, podcasting universe. Oh, Would it be extra jerkish for me to go, now we're going to stop the podcast so I can tell Jason my idea? Uh, oh, let's do a reaction. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm gonna, we're going to stop the podcast. Is it now. related to the October cast? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, Jason came up with an idea that's way better than mine. <laughs> okay, so I started telling him my idea, which was, okay, you take all of the universal classic monsters. You take Frankenstein's monster, you take the mummy, you take the wolfman, and you take Dracula. And then Jason said... What did I say? You say it. They were each, at one point, one of the three stooges. <laughs> and that's your that's your new idea. <laughs> and you go through and you have them living in an apartment together, and it's like the odd couple, but with monsters. Sure. So, Jason, what did you think of my idea? I thought it was interesting. Yeah? It was funny because at one point you were like, hasn't that been done before? And it might have been. That's not something that... Uh... Just something similar seems like it's that's been a movie or something. Maybe yeah. not with everything you're talking about, but certain aspects. Hmm. Well, that's cool. Um, in any event, I uh, I think that with most things, the general plot wouldn't be where it would find its, uh, I guess it's oomph. It would be the execution, like how you figure out how to tie it in or make it work. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's in the execution where it's like, same thing with that trick or treat movie. If you just described it, it would be like, Oh, that could be neat or okay. But then it's how it was done was what made it like, Oh right, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like if you write in different aspects that are, interesting as you're working it out in character designs and stuff like that it could be money yeah so uh so yes so that is trick-or-treat and that is also my uh strange idea for a story that i'll keep secret (laughs) very nice you know what's ridiculous it's not even so awesome that i should keep it a secret (laughs) so anyway I'll probably just, at like maybe the last October cast, I'll just tell everybody or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's probably, it's not, honestly, no, it's not even that big of a deal. But, um. <laughs> what? So, you told me you listened to the Paranormal Podcast and they were talking about real vampires. Yes. The vampire. Vampire. News for all two. Yeah. So what did you think about that? Um, that idea well um just like with everything else though it is not like it is in the movies no which that's the so when i say real vampires if people are thinking like dracula and you know whatever else is real that's not what i mean right and also let me say that um when he says real vampires we're not crazy people and we're <laughs> seriously, we're not just like, oh, watch out when you go to your car. Oh, yeah, that too. Wequim for dweeb. The point is that I think, personally, I believe that um, uh, everything that was said, because it, there was a, an expert on there. He's an author. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in the field for 60 years, it said, which mm-hmm. is it's insanity. But um, I was going to say that. He is not a crackpot, the person who was talking. Yeah. Um, you could tell that he was grounded in what seemed to be Christian faith 
Um, it seemed the way, based on the way he was talking, mm-hmm. and it, it also seemed like he was grounded in logic um, and had a wisdom, an air of wisdom about him and, and how he spoke. And um, I, I personally believe that what he was... Because t- what he's talking about, I believe, is possession, demonic possession. Mm-hmm. And I think he's referring to it as, as vampires and that while he is, in theory... I agree with what he was saying. I think that there are certain things that he is talking about that there's no way he could know for sure with this, the amount of certainty he had mm-hmm. that I'm aware of. Like, it, here's what I mean. I believe that people are open to demonic possession, and I believe that this was a type of demonic possession, that what he was talking about. But the way that he categorized and broke it down and what dimension they're from and all this other stuff... I don't think that that's something that can be proven or right. is possible, but I do believe in demonic possession, and I think that um, the cases he was describing are textbook cases of an entity, because he was even talking about how do you let a quote-unquote vampire in, the mythos is, you know, you let a vampire in, you invite them in. I loved what he was saying. He wasn't saying you invite them in by saying, come into my home. You invite them in with your actions and your attitude. Like, you invite them in if you lie or deceitful or overly mm-hmm. lustful or, you know, things that are true. That you open yourself to um, demonic activity when you are a a dwelling place for the things that something demonic would want to live in. Right. You know what I mean? So, I, I think that it's real. Um I think sometimes those stories are trumped up. Mm. And and moreover, I don't even think that's a bad thing because I think people should be aware of those kinds of things. So even if the people are a little afraid when they retell the story or, you know, our memory, it's funny because our memory is what we base a lot of things on. And our memory is usually inaccurate although it serves its purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like when you hear people telling stories about the war, you know, as they get older, they get braver in their story. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's uh-huh. not on purpose. It's just that as the story, you know, that memory becomes something different. Right. And so in the same way, I think especially with how powerful fear is, we do the same thing. So I think when we retell those stories, they get scarier and more supernatural and more creepy and more ridiculous and more outlandish, but... I don't think that it's a bad thing if it's to warn people. Right. So, how did you feel about all that and the vampire and real vampires and demons? Yeah. You know, well, I thought it was all very interesting, as I do with all these podcasts. They're always interesting to me. But um, let's give him a shout out. Actually, what's the podcast and how do you find it? Oh, it's jimherald uh, dot com, and he hosts the Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfire. Gotcha. Um, but what I was thinking, one thing he mentioned. In, in that episode is that uh, basically saying that they're a, a parasite right so would you say could you say that all parasites are vampires I guess in a scientific sense yeah I guess I'm not I'm not saying that there has to be anything supernatural to correct go on with correct them. correct they yeah, are yeah, just yeah. taking something from another living thing right and uh here, you know what I'll do? Let me pull up dictionary.com and look up the word vampire. Okay. 
and see how similar it is to the word parasite. Because, again, too, I guess that uh, the author of the book, and I, I'm embarrassed that I don't know his name. I forget because he said it a few times. Um, the author of the book on vampires. It's called Real Vampires mm-hmm. or something with that in the title. And um, he was talking about how um, a member of, I guess there's a vampire community. Yes. Like a real vampire community. And um, I guess they contacted him and were saying, hey, maybe we can assist you in your book. He said what he took as code for, hey, we want to see what you're writing because we don't want a bad rap. <laughs> so whatever that means. Um, I guess Jim Harold was saying that these vampires, they go more with the Hollywood definition. Which yeah, it's just is, like a lifestyle more like. Right, like sleep at night, don't go out in the day. Some of them get poor. during some. the day. Right, sleep. Go out at night. Right, got it. <laughs> I'd make an awful vampire. I'd be dead. But and they're also saying that it's kind of no different than people like going out and reenacting the Civil War, exactly and stuff like that. That's and yeah, it's just living out a fantasy. Right, and these people are not, um, I think, close to what this author was actually describing, which is. These parasites, these spirits that would like to feed on humans, you know, whether it's their spirituality, use their bodies, whatever, they don't want to be known. Yeah. They don't want to be conspicuous in their dress and be easy to trace from patterns in movies. You know what I mean? Like, oh, mm-hmm. sleep in a coffin. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. like, ah, uh, they don't. They sleep in the regular bed. There's an, a very thought-provoking story on that episode of the paranormal podcast about a young boy who is pretty much approached by a woman he 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 doesn't want to go he usually doesn't go out drinking with his friends but it's the night before a test he wants to be accepted and so he's in this bar and there's a woman who has just her eyes showing there's like uh she's wearing a veil and she's all in black and she selects him um and all of them kind of he again he's with his friends they all kind of come up and do their strut but she's most interested in him and so apparently they start talking and they leave the bar together and his friends don't know exactly what happens to him but he arrives home later that night and it's very late so the mother comes and uh knocks on his bathroom door and says like is everything okay you know you're out really late you're never out like this she said she heard the voice of an old woman cackle to her and say you know leave me alone you blankety blankety blank whatever so they were just like what is going on here they over the course of the next few weeks which turns into months they had him see a psychiatrist they couldn't explain his behavior it was just strange um then they went to institutionalizing him um and you know i don't even know really how that story particularly ends other than that i believe that he was possessed and now, you know, call it a vampire, call it a parasite, call it whatever you want, which, by the way, I did look that up on dictionary.com, and it says that a vampire is a preternatural being commonly believed to be a reanimated corpse that is said to suck the blood of sleeping persons at night. <laughs> so I guess that the biggest thing is that most people say it's a reanimated corpse, that that's what makes it fiction, mm-hmm. because I don't believe that it is. Yeah, um, I think vampire is just a word for demon really you know if, if you want to get down to it that is inhabiting a human person who is susceptible for 
um, being inhabited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought that was a thought-provoking story. It interested me a lot because I thought, man, this kid had a bright future. He was, you know, very straight-laced and then totally changed. And uh, they said something like he was – and again, who knows how trumped up these stories are, but – it says that he was speaking Aramaic and different things like that, where it's like he couldn't do that before. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know how Hollywood that is, how, if that was an added detail in the story, but yeah. says that uh, parasite, though, just to kind of clarify, it says it's an organism that lives on or in an organism of another species known as the host from the body of which it obtains nutriment. So that's pretty much your definition right there. These things are parasites. <laughs> so... I think we've Hollywoodified, you know, vampires. Yeah. But, yeah, just just be careful. And, uh, you know, I guess that's the biggest thing in this season of spookiness and all that stuff. This is the danger that uh, these, I don't know, I don't want to sound like a wacko paranormal guy, but it's harder to tell strange occurrences that are going on or things that might be real when you're surrounded with other things that are uh, posing to be that for fun. Because digital effects are so good these days, right? That's right. And, you know, goth kids are really vampires. Wow. No. No? No. Oh. They go to Van Helsing to get their haircuts (laughs) over their eyes. (laughs) No. If you're you're a goth person and you're listening, and not upset you. What if that was a story? Van Helsing was actually a barber. See, there you go. And Dracula came every Tuesday to have his hair cut, and he told him wild stories. <laughs> I'm the Count Dracula. <laughs> He's like, what do you do? He's like, I'm in real estate. <laughs> what kind of real estate? I grow garlic. <laughs> you know? And he's like, it's wonderful. I have it with steak. Steak. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Oh, no. Um. Why don't you tell me okay. about that story that you read in October Dreams? Uh, and that's how we'll end the podcast. Because mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of an interesting story. It kind of matched also with Trick or Treat. And last week we talked about jack-o'-lanterns. But. Mm-hmm. It's about um, this kid who goes to this pumpkin carver. He's It's like in this old man that's like kind of creepy looking. And he, it describes his head as kind of like squash looking. Yeah. You know, like the vegetable. Um, and he, 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 the pumpkin carver is what he's called. And, uh, you buy a pumpkin there and you can pay this guy to have him carve your pumpkin for you and paint it a little and make it look neat. And, um, you know, so the kid asks, you know, what, what do you charge? And I can't remember exactly what it says. It's like, pay, pay what you think it's worth. Something like that. Right. Cause you get what you pay for. And so he pays him like a nickel. And so, you know, he does his pumpkin up all creepy looking and he takes it home. And then it turns out that the pumpkin actually comes alive and is this kind of like pumpkin golem, I guess. Wow. And, uh, slaughters the family. I can't, I don't think the boy dies. I think he does, he does something like gives him the pumpkin money or something, more money. And the pumpkin leaves after that. But (laughs) he probably takes it back to his master. Yeah, maybe. Take it the money. (laughs) Did he have a strange like accent like that? I don't think he spoke much. Oh. 
Because I know it was a book, but you know how sometimes you imagine he's like, right, yeah. Eat these awards, the what do you pay? No, I don't think it was anything Hi, like that. I make it a pumpkin, <laughs> but I also make a killer meatball sub. <laughs> I do a Greek salad and knock a used socks off. <laughs> no. But, um, by the way, that book is called October Dreams, and it's actually, it's a book Jason owns. It says, uh, it's edited by Richard Schismar, C-H-I-Z-M-A-R, and Robert Morish, M-O-R-R-I-S-H. And um, it has um, stories by Dean Kuntz, Ray Bradbury, Peter Straub, uh, to name a few, but it is a, it's a Halloween anthology, more or less, and it's, there's some classics, some never before published, and there's also some essays and things like that, but um, have have you read this whole thing? Uh, most of it, I think. Uh, would you say it's worth getting? Oh yeah, I love it. Cool. Um, it's, it's open it and see what that first story is called. Okay, here. Let's see. Oh, that's the very first one in there. Yeah. It's called the Black Pumpkin. Okay, there you go. And uh, here, I'll just read the first paragraph to whet people's appetites. Okay. The pumpkins were creepy, but the man who carved them was far stranger than his creations. He appeared to have baked for ages in the California sun until all the juices had been cooked out of his flesh. He was stringy, bony, and leather-skinned. His head resembled a squash, not pleasingly round like a pumpkin, yet not shaped like an ordinary head either. Slightly narrower at the top and wider at the chin than was natural. His amber eyes glowed with a sullen, smoky, weak, but dangerous light. So, check that out. It's called October Dreams, a celebration of Halloween, and Publishers Weekly says that it's the most enjoyable horror anthology of the year. Hey. So, this has been the October cast number three. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, and uh, counting down, we've got two more of these left. Hopefully, you're enjoying them. Let us know. Um, you can email us at multigeekshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can check out the blog at www.multigeekshow.com. And you can also uh, call us uh, if you want. We have a comment line. It's 206-309-7499. Thanks so much. Bye.